What's good football fans? Back at you once again with another video. And first and foremost, I want to welcome everybody to the first official episode of B&G Sessions. So let's just jump right into it and talk about last week's preseason game. Burgundy and Gold play, had to set out to play the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, I ain't gonna lie to you, the first half or so, was I was kind of, eh. Carson Wentz, he, he looked pretty decent. I mean, you know, I wasn't expecting a whole lot in terms of what the offense was going to bring. You know, I was expecting it to be completely vanilla, which it was. Not to mention the fact that a couple of our linemen were out, which, by the way, I'm starting to get a little concerned about Trey Turner. You know, I, I know that they brought him in and that the idea is that he's going to be the guy. But he's had a lot of injury, you know, issues or adjustments or whatever's going on with him coming back from last year. Me personally, I think that Wes Schweitzer still is in the driver's seat there. But, they, you know, it seems like they kind of are pushing this narrative like Turner is the guy that they want to be the right guard. And, you know, when you look at that offensive line, everybody is always deceived about how good it actually is. And I get I get comments all the time and people making uh, observations saying that the, uh, the offensive line is horrible. There's no way this team is going to get anywhere. And it always makes me sit back and wonder what exactly, you know, they're watching on certain plays. Because, honestly, the offensive line did not do that bad of a job last year. They were pretty highly ranked in the pass protection area. Now, that's not to say they did all that great, uh, you know, in, the, in the, the rushing category. But I also think that's because we haven't had a traditional north-south running back in, in a few years now, a couple years now. Antonio Gibson really doesn't offer that. And he, he kind of looks at the hole differently. And uh, I'm going to get to that in a second because I don't think that he really had a, a very good showing last week. And it's led to him, um, you know, having issues now where in practice he's being used as a third down back and, you know, on kick returns and whatnot. I, like I said, I'll get to that in a second because Ron Rivera actually touched on that directly. But at any rate, in that first preseason game, there were several guys that stood out for me that I really enjoyed watching. I was glad they got a chance to show me what they had. The first guy that just popped out on the screen to me was Stephen Parker. Like, where did this guy come from? I realized he came out and played with some of the backups or the reserves or whatever but hey man we're looking for decent depth at this point i think that they pretty much are squared away in the starter category i know that some could argue that maybe there's a, a hole here or there that could be patched up a little bit but all in all this guy offers something that they need and that's depth in the secondary another guy that really stood out for me was daniel wise while i think most people have kind of given into the idea that James Smith Williams is going to be the guy that plays while Chase is out, however long that may be, whether it be one week, four weeks, more than that. We really don't know yet. But Daniel Wise looked, and it's a lot like the Stephen Parker comment that I made, it was against backups, but he's in the rotation too. So you have to keep an eye on what he can actually do. You know, now that he got big Phil Mathis over there at Fidarian. That, that whole situation changes, whereas before, they were kind of using James Smith-Williams some in the middle, and now they've kind of pushed him outside because they don't need him as much. But you have a good rotation going there, and that's exactly what they want. 
And I liked what Wise showed later on in the game when he was given a chance to actually be that guy on the you know on the outside. And the same with Sam Howe. Sam Howe came in against the third string or the you know the back end of the second string or whatever you want to say, and he looked good. I mean, he he did. He it's hard to argue with how he looked. I don't dive deep into preseason stats all that much. Okay, now uh, the only real big stat that I stick with this year that I'm I'm trying to pay attention to the entire season because it's been such a, a thorn in our side is defensive third downs and I'll get to that in a second. But a couple of guys that I you know I saw their stock drop I should say tremendously were uh, Antonio Gibson and Taylor Heineke. Now Gibson for obvious reasons and I I hate the fact that I've pointed out already that the only thing that could hold this guy back was what is holding him back at this moment right now. You know, the fumbling issue has led to him now returning kicks in practice. And which is not really, shouldn't come as a surprise to a whole lot of people because they actually talked about using him doing that, I believe, last year, but they ended up using Carter instead. But Gibson actually is, was really good at it in college. They asked Ron Rivera, uh, I believe, yesterday about what's going on with the running back room right now. And his response, and I quote right here, he said, Antonio Gibson worked with the ones, the twos, and the threes. He's working with special teams as well. Brian Robinson worked with the ones, the twos, and he's working with the threes as well. And he's also working with special teams. So, you know, that's what we're doing. Which, to me, is Rivera's nice way of saying everything you're saying is wrong. And, you know, as I mentioned before, and as pretty much everybody has probably perceived or seen already. Rivera is the type of coach that he's very, you know, like he's like, he's, he's, he's going to tell you how it is. And then he's the kind of guy that likes to command the conversation. And, and, and that is what a coach does. But when it comes to these kind of situations, you could also see, you know, further on in the conversation that he was not happy about what's going on with Gibson. Now, one last thing about the preseason game, it was really tough for me to be able to watch that defensive unit on third downs. And and the main reason is because I was reminded of last season when they finished 31st in the entire league, just a couple of ticks off of being 32nd. Uh, but they, they gave up 11 of 17 on third downs against the Panthers. And the reason why I say 17 instead of 18 is because the last third down play that the Panthers were, you know, they were on, they just tried to get the you know the position of the ball right for the game-winning field goal. So technically, that last third down really wasn't one they even went for. But whatever, I digress. I realize it's the first preseason game, so I'm not trying to get too far into it on that note. I did make sure that I uploaded something about it to the YouTube channel just because I wanted everybody to know that this year, that's going to be a big thing for me i am going to to, to to concentrate on that using the all 22 coaches film and i'm going to you know, take a whole lot closer look at things anybody that's not subscribed to the youtube channel by now you know if you're a, a washington fan you're doing yourself a disservice by not at least coming over and joining the conversation about what you know is seen on the film you don't have to listen to me if you don't want to i mean that's there too though you can also see just about 100% of my content as well over on commanderscapital.com. We actually have three other writers now. 
which I'm going to be honest, I wasn't certain if we would get any writers before the season started. I knew once we got going that some writers would come in. I wasn't certain, but thankfully we got three guys and hopefully they'll be able to come on the podcast a little bit. I know one guy already said that he is definitely uh, down for coming on and it's a person that some of you may already know, but we'll just go ahead and wait to uh, to make that introduction at a later time. You know, one thing that, that came out of yesterday that wasn't anything about players getting cut or anything negative or anything was that Scott Turner is now moving down to the sideline to call plays. They made a point of it in his press conference to talk about it. And I view this as something where, you know, he gets a chance to be a more personable coach, you know. It, uh, it, it'll give him a chance, you know, to be more direct with the players, you know, give him a more direct approach with how he deals with them. You know, they, they should put one of the offensive assistants in the booth, you know, and let the play caller stay on the sideline. I, me personally, that's how I would want it to happen. And you let the assistant relay things, you know, to, to, the, to the play caller about what the defense is doing and all that. Otherwise, the guy that's calling the plays, you know, your offensive coordinator, he's not, he's not going to connect right with the quarterback and, you know, maybe even the running backs or maybe whatever is going on in that situation. But, you know, you need to stick one of the offensive assistants up in the booth and do that job. If anything else, maybe like the tight ends coach, which, you know, maybe he doesn't need to be so, so hands-on on the sideline. But those guys here recently have tended, you know, to kind of move on to offensive coordinator positions and then head coaching jobs. Well, at least they have in, in our organization or, the, or Washington's organization. Now, I know I've already gone over some of the situation already, but I really wanted to talk about the Antonio Gibson experiment now. Is it over? Is it time for this team to start thinking that maybe he should be looked at as a, you know, a, a slash back that, that, that can do extraordinary things from the slot position and a kick returner, maybe. Is it time for them to move forward in the, the conversation? You know, this, this guy's cost us a few games last year, and he, you know, made a, a, a one of those same type of fumbles just in the last game. So is it time that the team should start thinking about, you know, ending this experiment where they tried to turn a, a wide receiver into a running back. And the first thing that comes to mind when you're looking at the wide receiver in the, in the running back position is they're completely different. A running back looks to find, even if it's just the smallest hole, you know, he, he looks to find a spot to get his body through, even if, even if it's just to gain a few yards. And if it turns into more, then that's what's up. Now, if he gets three to five yards on a play, that's a decent play. A wide receiver is taught that he needs to, you know, to, to get around whatever play there is, juke, spin, whatever he's got to do. And they look at each play as, you know, 12 to 15 yards is a good play. So the mentality, first of all, is different. So when you take a wide receiver out of his position and put, put him at a running back and you try to force him into holes, where he's used to going one-on-one -on -one, or at the most maybe one-on-two -on -two or three, he's now going one on the entire line where he's running into situations that he's not really used to. And I'm not certain there's a way that you could prep him for that. Like, there's no training module where he can go in and do that over and over again and have people slap at the ball. It takes game experience. And from all of the, the, the replays that you watch, 
it tends to happen as he's fallen to the ground and he's continuing right before that he's continuing to maybe juke or move left and right and still trying to cut the hole but it's as he's fallen to the ground it's like he's not holding on to the ball as he's either worried about hitting the ground or juking out of it or what he's doing and that has led to some problems and i think it might be an overall design of what kind of player that he's grown to be which is a wide receiver is the guy 100 dynamic oh without a doubt there is no if ands or buts about it this guy could take the ball to the house on every single play the question remains is he a inside the tackles type of running back obviously he's not a bell cow but is he an inside the tackles kind of running back i don't think that's what he is and they're trying to you know force the uh, the round you know peg into the square hole and they they need to stop doing that the real question though is is it is it really worth going ahead and just admitting that, that you've kind of you've done something wrong there and then turning the tides and seeing what you can get out of it at this point you really have to kind of weigh those options because in their mind they thought they were getting a guy that's i mean what did he have he had over a thousand yards rushing last year the last two seasons i believe he's had over a thousand yards combined no matter what this guy is a weapon and we need him on the field so we got to get this guy out of the fumbleitis stage that's why this to me is a big you know a debate at this point and, and obviously the, the fans you know some of them have already turned on him which is what happens during the preseason our fan base especially does this a lot but they completely dismiss somebody if he has a couple problems but i get it because nobody wants to go through him fumbling on the 20 yard line and the other team getting the ball right there next to their goal line and scoring and you know then you've gone from thinking that you can either maybe extend the lead or catch up from a lead or catch up you know from a small deficit to you're now down another seven points or you're now giving up another seven points and it's real deflating for defense for that to happen and you push them you know you push their backs against the wall immediately and he did this six times last year and i'm not trying to say that all six times he left us on the goal line or 20 yard line four of the times he lost the ball that's unacceptable to start off doing it the next year at the same you know the same rate or whatever that's that's that cannot be ignored so I, I understand he's in the doghouse now and me i am absolutely in love with brian robinson and the way that he runs the football that man is whew, he's a stud and he is going to be a good running back in the nfl and he might actually be a three down back and be the back that we've been looking for for a while that's going to power the offense like we want it and I know everybody out there is thinking it, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Yes, you need more than one back. They have several. So this is this is actually a good problem to have. You know, it just Antonio Gibson may not be that guy that they thought he was. So the experiment itself may or may not be over at this point. It's still up in the air. We still have to see how he reacts to being, you know, being benched or or how he reacts to accepting a different role and and if you know maybe they move him into a different role for a small amount of time and then maybe he gets shifted back in a rotational situation they have so many running backs that i mean mckissick could step right up and take his job right now if given the opportunity but then again mckissick means too much to them in the passing game to be an every down back that would that they'd want to depend on to carry the load that's where i feel like scott turner's offense has been flawed they don't have a primary back to pound the ball out 
And what it's done is it's exposed a fatal flaw with Antonio Gibson. Hopefully we can correct that. At the end of the day, though, Gibson's always going to be a threat. And as I've said before in the past, you know, if he catches the ball and he goes to move with it, hey, it's still going to be a chance he could fumble it. So we have to get this problem under control. I said it a few videos back. Maybe we need to bring Tiki Barber in and, 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 and teach this guy something. Maybe we need to find somebody else that, that is good at this, that has had issues with this in, in the history of the NFL. This guy has a problem. He needs help with it. Anybody that saw him on the sideline after that fumble knows what I'm trying to say right now. Let's work with the guy instead of turning on him. Yeah, he, he, he probably is going to lose his starting role right now, but that doesn't mean that that you know, throws him away forever. So Tuesday was the NFL's first cut day. And of course, Washington had to cut down from 90 to 85. And I honestly, I had a couple of inklings about maybe one or two of these guys, you know, being gone. But a couple of them, you know, surprised me when they, they made the move to actually place uh, Alex Arma and Samus Reyes, both on the reserve or injured list. I started wondering, I said, okay, now I have thought about this for a while. This sounds like they're trying to duck Reyes away for another year. Now, the way all of it comes down to it is if he gets an injury settlement, you know, blah, 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 right? I think they have so many tight ends, they don't know what's going to happen. So they're trying to either A, buy time, or B, duck him off. If he goes on injured reserve and doesn't take a settlement, that means that his season is over with. The way the NFL is, if you go on injured reserve before the season starts, you cannot come back. If they were to wait until the day of the season year op opening up and then put him on injury reserve, then that would be different. But obviously, then they would have to, you know, put him on the, the roster for for uh, who he'd have to count for a roster spot, which they don't want that to happen. So one of two things is going to happen: either they're going to give him an injury settlement, and then the way that that works is, is if there's an injury settlement within seven days, the player has to miss three regular season games plus the number of games covered by the settlement. So that who knows how long that could mean. That could be that could be a couple a couple months down the road after the season starts. Who knows what exactly that means? I personally think that he needs to just default himself back to the reserve list, the injured list, and sit for a year and get himself right. Learn more, get some skills at this position. And I and I've said it before, this guy is still trying to learn the position. And he's playing with a bunch of guys around him who are trying to hone their position. They've been doing this their whole lives. They've been playing since high school. This guy just started playing when he realized that he wasn't going to be a basketball player, a professional basketball player. And that was in college. So he's going to need some time. And I think Ron Rivera likes him and is going to give him that option. That's why I think that he's probably going to revert back to the injured reserve. But we'll have to wait and see how all that works. Rivera was asked about it. His quote, and I, and I quote, those are all things that we're working through. You know, we have a few guys that we put on IR, and we have to work through those situations with all of them. And that's after being asked, will Reyes be back, or what's going on with them? The other two guys they let go, or excuse me, the other three guys they let go of, they let go of cornerback Devontae Bosby and guard Deion um, Calhoun, excuse me, I'm sorry. Bosby had some halfway decent ball skills, but he was just, these guys were just camp bodies. That's all they were. They didn't look all that great in the preseason game either. And the last guy they cut was Troy Apke. 
And everybody, and I tell you, I got, when I made the video about this on YouTube, I had people saying to me, what in the world are you talking about? Troy Apke is so great. He's fast. He's, you know, he's he got all these skills. I mean, the guy had one interception and one fumble recovery in his entire four-year career. He was a fourth-round draft pick. This guy is a bust. He was, if you have him on the field at any point in time during the game, and he got his chance, too, because he got in on rotational situations and, and injuries and all kinds of stuff. He got his, his his chance to play for that football team, and he did not do what he needed to do. Last year, he was nothing but a, a special teams demon or whatever you want to call him. He, he played gunner. And the way that I believe this is all working out, Cam Sims is also a gunner, okay? And you got Percy Butler now. And what they did was, is they started looking to, hey, it was like Percy Butler's here. You go, already got Cam Sims over there. So at the very worst, if they get rid of Apke, they don't, I mean, he didn't play any other positions. If they have an injury, he can't come in and play. I don't even know why they shifted his his title of his of his job to a cornerback. He, he never played corner in his life. But they shifted him. They, they changed his title. He never played a down except for uh, on special teams. That should tell you right there, after the injuries we had, this guy still didn't play a single down, and now he's gone. Hey, he might have been the nicest guy in the world, but he was not the football player that we thought he was when he, he ran that 4-3 or whatever it was at the combine, and he looked like a workout warrior otherwise. He never was the guy that we thought he was going to be, which is why the safety hunt continued on, by the way, guys. At any rate, this Saturday we got preseason game number two against the Kansas City Chiefs. And to be quite honest with you, this will be a good test for the Washington Commanders. This is a good team to go against in the preseason, especially when it doesn't count, and get to gauge your talent against. Because we know that Patrick Mahomes has an arm on him. I honestly have not checked to see what the what the if, ands, or buts on as if he's actually going to play or not. Hopefully he will play in this game. Generally, in the past, you know, game two, they come out at least for a series, right? So... We'll hopefully see some of their first string. I know that they're a little bit different looking this year without Tyreek Hill, but they still have weapons over there. And uh, it is preseason, so I'm not really into more, per se, what their offense looks like or what their defense looks like. So I haven't done a whole lot of homework on them. But I will tell you that for our team, for Washington, the number one thing we need to see is consistency on both sides of the ball. You know, we need to see the first string, the second string, and the third string consistently at least trying to move the ball and not getting eat up with penalties or, you know, on the defensive side of things, not letting the third downs kill them. You know, I, I want to see the defense progressively improve the third down situation. I, that, that's a situation I want to see taken over this year. I think last year it was something like 48% for the whole entire season. I want to see something better than that, you know. When you're ranking in at 31st in the entire league, that's bad. I uh, know another thing that's kind of awkward at the moment right now. I believe that we only have three tight ends active and Armani Rogers, Curtis Hodges, and I believe the other guy's name is Eli Wolf. And none of these guys have ever played an actual football game in the NFL. So there's that. And um, I, I really want to see how the defense, mainly the scheme, um, reacts to Travis Kelsey. You know, they have struggled 
quite mightily for a while against tight ends, this team has. But uh, Del Rio is an old crafty coach. I know he's in the can with everybody as far as opinions go and not liking him personally. But he's a crafty old bugger. And he's, you know, he's a guy that can try to, you know, scheme around things. Let's see if he's learned anything about these tight ends yet. Because the last couple defensive coordinators never did. And we ended up on an island against most teams that have a guy like Travis Kelsey. And last but not least with this, with this game, is it's not really that much different than any other game, um, you know, in the preseason. I don't want any injuries. That is my biggest fear when we play, you know, these these preseason games, which is why I'm glad they lowered them to three. I don't really like so much that they made the NFL season 17 games so much, but they lowered the preseason games to three, and that at least lets me breathe a little easier because I know that that third game generally is a game that they sit, you know, some players, although the new, the new way they do things with the cut days makes that a little bit awkward because they've already pretty much done all the cuts before that last game happens. You know, and, and it's kind of like a death row game where you know that, you know, there's Dead Man Walkins playing, you know, and the whole situation's a little awkward, but the um, the second game generally ends up being the better game, like I, I, I dare say. We still won't have a lot of our guys playing. You know, we still have Logan Thomas back. We still don't have, you know... A few other guys, a couple guys are on pitch counts. Carson Wentz in the first string will play in this game from what Rivera's been hitting around. Like I said before, he's kind of dodgy on asking things that will, you know, allow him to give you any information that's above him unless it's to one of those guys that he trusts, one of those media guys. And then they leak it how they want to. I've noticed, though, that that, that, that has almost stopped in D.C. where we have all these leaks that pop out. We used to hear that all the time. When Jay Gruden was the coach, there was so many leaks, man. That thing leaked like a like just like a sieve, man. It was just so bad. It was just everything got leaked. And this guy, I think he actually cares because he doesn't leak all the information. It's kind of it's kind of odd. It's I know that for other sports fans that hear that, they might be like, Man, y'all must have had it really bad, which to be quite honest with you, we have. So Sometimes we have to take that reality and realize it for ourselves. Well, there you have it. The first episode of B&G Sessions in the can. Y'all take it easy. Peace.